theyeshiva.net. The line is Shalomayla Yilamata, Vyasariv Raid Vidal, Vaacharaza. The first step in becoming the Manoida, Vizem Maisa Manoida, how do you become a Manoida? So the first thing is Miksha. What did he touch Miksha? When you pound, when you're hammering gold, so that which is on top goes on the bottom, that which is on bottom goes on top. The original gold, the original form gets mixed up. The original form is challenged. The original um, The original form is challenged, which in Avoida, in Avoida of a person, it's that ability for a person to be able to really challenge that original form. That's the first word. Then there's Zohov. After Miksha, the Pasa continues and says, gold. What do you hammer out? You hammer out gold. The, the menorah physically was built. It's a huge, huge block of gold. The weight of a kikar, enormous amount. And the, the craftsmen, the, the goldsmiths, Bitzalel and the... <laughs> Like with all the vessels in the base of Mikdash, they had to then build it. But here, there had to be mixture from one piece. So he says, what's Zahav? Yavay lebchine Zahav. From mixture, the person could come to a state of Zahav. What is this spiritually? Shuhu yire. Zahav represents, gold represents, color similar to fire, the goldish, reddish color, which represents yire, or. Unlike silver, kesef hu ahava. Kesef, it says in Svarim, you have it in Zohar, and in Kisve Harizal, in Kabbalah, kesef represents ahava, love. Milashin nichsefa. The word kesef is associated with the Hebrew term nichsefa. Lavan says, nichsef, nichsafta, lebeis, avicha. You yearned, you craved to go home to your father, like we say in Yedid Nefesh, Erev Shabbos, right? Nichsoif nichsafti, Lirois b'sifares uzecha, nichsoif nichsafti. Kisufim in Lashon Kodesh is a a pining, a yearning, a craving. In Tehillim, Vachek Kapitel. In Tehillim, in Kapitel Peidalet, I think, right? Ah, nichsefa v'gam kol sanavshi lechatzrei beis Hashem. So what's nichsefa? A very deep yearning. So that's why kesef is associated with ahava. Also the material, and like everything, it's connected also to the physicality of it. It arouses an element of love. What is this? Shekosef ledabik ledovik b'sharshay laur ba'ir hachayim. Kesef represents the yearning of a person, the yearning of a soul for dveikas. What does it mean, dveikas? To become one with its own source, to return to its own root, to its own shayrish. Just like a tree has a shayrish, and the shayrish is its source of life, and the tree will do anything to hold on to the shayrish, to hold on to the roots, to remain connected. And the roots 
will fight very hard to remain rooted by having its firm place in the earth and stretching out both in breadth and in depth in order to go find its water. Because this shayrish is its source of life, vitality. But by a tree, it's part of its makeup, it's part of its intrinsic makeup. If it's detached, it immediately spells the end of the tree. If you cut it off, When it comes to a soul, when it comes to a person, we can become alienated, we can become detached. We could substitute ourselves with a pseudo-self. So kesef is the kisufin, l'davik b'sharshay, to connect, to remain davuk in the shayrish. Lower b'yrachayim, to, uh, to, to connect in the, in the light of life, in the source of life. V'zen nikra avamisuteres. It's also called the avamisuteres, the concealed love. Sheyesh tamid belev kolish yisrael. Which always exists in the heart of every single Jew commission is Baba Makamacher, as explained elsewhere. So sometimes the Kesef could be concealed, but it's always there. That's Kisuf and Kesef. Vizav, Nikri Yira. In contrast to Kesef, Zav is associated with awe, Yira, reverence. There's an expression in Eev, Mitzafain Zav Yasa. Zav comes, Yasa means comes, Asa, comes from Tzafon. So the Mepharshim struggle with this Pasuk, what Eiv meant. Does it mean from the north? Or many say Tzafon means concealed. Something that's Tzafon, right? Chelkas Mechaikik Tzafon. The Afikaiman is called Tzafon in, uh, in the Seder. Tzafon in Lashon Kaidish means like Mephaneach Tzfunais. Yosef was called Tzafnas Paneach. <coughs> So that's with a, with a, uh, with a tzaddik. Tzfunois is like things that are concealed, like secrets. Mephaneach Tzfunois Rashi says, Megalon is stories. He reveals that which is tzafun, which is concealed. That the gold is concealed. Mitzafun zahav yas. So zahav, which is a different color, a different material, a different quality, is associated with or Unlike Kesef, which is associated with, with, uh, love. To experience this, this year, one needs his Bainanus, which is serious meditation. In the infinite truth of Hashem, of Ain Saif Baruchu, to appreciate that the Ein Saif really is everything. It fills everything, meaning it is everything. And to also appreciate the fact that everything in his presence doesn't occupy separate significance. In other words, the relationship is always intact because nothing can ultimately create a barrier that has chashivas so even though if in my mind there are so many barriers and so many separations, that's only because my perception gives them all chashivah, significance. But the truth is that kula, everything, kameh, in his presence is kaloi chashiv. It doesn't occupy separate space, separate significance to be able to form 
an authentic barrier. So, so such a type of his bainanus and meditation creates a sensation of yira, of awe. And a busha is boishish from the word busha. A sense of shame. In other words, the person sees Hashem as a real presence. As a real presence. And when, it's a, when there's a real presence, the way a person behaves is immediately affected. The Gemara says in Brachas, that Rabbi Yechina ben Zakkai, on his deathbed, his students asked them to asked him to bless them. So he told them before, right before he passed away, that you should be afraid of Hashem like you're afraid of people. So that doesn't the ganze bracha that Hashem should be like a person. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be so bad if at least Hashem would be as another person. <laughs> he says, teda, you'll see. When a person does something really ugly and obnoxious, he hopes there's no video camera. <laughs> he hopes nobody is looking. There's certain things, if somebody is there, he's not going to do. So he says, if God could just be as significant as a person, <laughs> he says, it's not such a bad brach. That should be a real reality. It's a real reality. As God is done. So that's what Yisbeishish means. Yisbeishish means there's a, there's, a, there's a certain sense of respect, a sense of dignity. When I grew up, there was a Yid Rosh Hashanah, he was a Gabbai. Before Tkiyas Rosh Hashanah, he would get up, <laughs> thousands of people, and he would say every year, You should know where you're standing and in whose presence you're standing. You know where you're standing and in whose presence you're standing. There's a certain... There's obviously a certain result. This is the reason that the Anshei Knesset the men of the Great Assembly, this is the group that rebuilt the Jewish community in the beginning of the era of the Second Beis Hamikdash, like we say in the beginning of Perkeiavus, right? Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, gave it to Yeshua, to the elders, to the Nevi'im, the numbered 120 people. They came back from Bavel after 70 years of exile to rebuild the second base Amikdash and start all over again. It included people like Mordechai, Ezra, Nehemiah, Chagai, Schaya, Malachi, Shimon Atzadik was the last one. We mentioned yesterday Zerubavel. And the Anshei Knesset one of the things they did was, they were the ones who were massacring the Nusach of Tefillah. The text of davening, Shemayin Esra, that we daven three times a day, Shachos Men comes from Anshei Knesset together with many of the brachas, the blessings we make before mitzvahs, or before food, the brachas in davening, like the brachas of Krishna, much of these, much, many of these were instituted by the Anshei Knesset that's why he's saying, "Al tein tikkun lo nachon adadei la hatfilah." They were masakin the tefillah im psukei de zimra together with the introduction before tefillah, which are the verses of song psukei de zimra umedayraisa in tzarich min hatayra umedayraisa biblically. There is no obligation for this. 
kiyim kriyashma umaat fila. If you talk about the Torah's perspective itself, what's the obligation on a Jew? Kriyashma. Kriyashma is to say Kriyashma twice a day. When you go to sleep and when you get up. In other words, in the evening and in the morning. That's a of Menatayra, to say Kriyashma. There's a Machlaikis also over there, if the Chiyuv is just the first parsha or also the second parsha, the whole Kriyashma. Or part of that is Medir But certainly, according to everybody, there's a part of Kriyashma that is a biblical mandate, a biblical obligation on every Jew or Jewish man to say. Uma'at <laughs> filah. And ashtikal davening is also minatayra. Because according to most of the poiskim, tfilah itself, the mitzvah of tfilah is, is a mitzvah minatayra. The text of davening, the three times a day, that's all the rabbonim. But the pasuk does say, va'avadatem es Hashem alekeichem. You should serve God. La'avdoi b'chol avavchem. Serve him with Yonah. The Gemara says, Eze yavoyde shebelev. Zu tfilah. So the like the Rambam says in Hilchas Tefillah that the etzem mitzvah of Tefillah is min hatayra, but what? But that that could mean one minute ma'at Tefillah. It could be five minutes. It can also be six hours. The other is davened, but that's ma'at Tefillah. Ma'at Tefillah means a person turns to Hashem and connects. Ma'at Tefillah. That's what it is midaraiz. And he says, and it's not stam midaraiz. Kamei b'mikdash rishon. During the entire era of the first Beis HaMikdash, there was no concept of davening like we have today. You're going to Shul to daven, I'm going to Shachas, I'm going to Minch, I'm going to Meirev. That was not part of Jewish life. The times of Tefillah, the Nusach of Tefillah, the structure of Tefillah, this comes from the beginning of Bayesheni and Sheknasas Agdoila. It existed by the second Beis HaMikdash, but not by the first Beis HaMikdash. So what did a Jewish morning look like in the first Beis HaMikdash? <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell you what it looked like. But it looked very different than our mornings. Parking lot wasn't so packed either. Among other differences. Huh? The Ferd and the Vagen. Maybe it was packed, you say. The MS is that the Musag of Shul also comes after Churban Bayes Rishon. Yechazkel introduces it. Because there was always an epicenter. That was the epicenter of Jewish life. The Mishkan and then the Beis HaMikdash. You want inspiration? Go to the Beis HaMikdash. That was behind the Chiyav of Meiser Sheni. Where you had to go to Yerushalayim to eat your fruits. The Torah wanted every Jew to spend time in Yerushalayim with the family. So there's Aliyah Liregel, there's going for Yom Tov, Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, there was going in the middle of the year to eat your Maiser Sheni, to bring your Bikurim, to bring what's called your Neter Revoi, different, your Maiser Behemoth, there were different halachic obligations. A Jew would come to Yerushalayim, it would also build the economy of Yerushalayim, because everybody was pouring in money over there. It was good on many levels. But there was an epicenter. When the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't just the end of an era. It spelled the concern like with every other nation in history for the end. Because there's no, you have, you don't have your own country. You don't have your own military. You don't have your own political infrastructure. You don't have your own commonwealth. And you don't have your own spiritual epicenter. And that's where Yecheskel Anavi, who was one of the Nevi'im, following the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, introduced the concept of a Mikdash Ma'at. That there's a portable base Hamikdash, wherever Jews meet, 
to connect to God. People don't realize the revolution of us. We take shuls for granted. Don't take a shul for granted. It's not a simple thing. You know, today, hey, well, you go to the gate and shul. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where did it? it had to be invented. People had a home, and that's where you spent your time. You went to the marketplace for personal business. The idea to come together, to come together. And what's the purpose? So before the kiddush and before the soup and before the cake and before the coffee and before the networking and before getting out of your house and you have a good religious excuse, the concept was you're coming together for what? You're not living there, sleeping there or doing business there. It was really the concept that where Jews come together to pray, to learn, to study, so the divine presence is there. This was a unique Kiddush. And it reshaped Jewish history. Because suddenly, the Beis HaMikdash was everywhere. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar thought he destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. Poor guy. He destroyed one. He got 4,000. <laughs> he destroyed... Uh, yeah, no, just here. Just in these tents. Just in these tents. Every day there's a new shul. You saw a new tent just went up, I see. <laughs> so this is after, yeah. So the second base of the was already established. If you go to archaeological sites in Eichesor, you'll see all these ancient shuls that they had with their bleachers. I mean, you could see the structures. It started in Bavel, because there was no base of Mikdash anymore. Yecheskel, yeah. Yecheskel's prophecy is, Ani begoyla. Ani betoycha goyla al nahar kvar. I am in exile by the Kvar River. That's where he sees his vision. He started to say Nebu and but then he was among the exiles. Ezekiel, Ezekiel the prophet. So he introduces the concept of Mikdash Ma'at, a small miniature sanctuary. And that became the fo- a, a, a tremendous focal point. Remaining every Monday and Thursday, when did that start? Ezra. Ezra. Someone at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ezra made ten. The Gemara says, "Ezra made ten takonas, ten takonas for the Jewish people." Yeah. She says in Bayis Rishon, They didn't daven. He doesn't mean There was no concept of tefillah. He just says, "But The concept of medavent that didn't exist. Why? So listen to the Balatanya's words. Because their mind, their consciousness was Bahir Bishakim. Bahir Bishakim was an expression in Eiv. It was bright in the heavens. <laughs> what it means bright in the heavens? It means their minds were attuned to the spiritual consciousness of the universe. To see and perceive, to see and perceive the infinity of God, which saturates and fills every moment of life. He doesn't mean all in the mayach versus the lave. He just means the mayach has the central nervous system. He doesn't, hear the, he doesn't mean here the mind versus the heart. He just means the mind as the center of consciousness. He doesn't mean not the heart. Everything begins in the brain. Their minds were attuned to the spiritual consciousness. 
not without doing. It was, it was just, it was like a reality. And this explains something very deep. If you read through Tanakh, you see how much Jews struggled with Avodah Zarah. And it's hard to understand today. What was the struggle? And it didn't stop. And the biggest, Yeravim ben Avot. The Gemara says about Yeravim ben Avot, he was the successor of Shloim HaMelech when the Malucha split. That he resurrected Avodah Zarah. He brought it back to the Jewish people. He built two, ca- two golden statues, one in Don and one in Betel, two calves. It wasn't enough for him, one Egel Azov. He needed two. Many of the kings, Eliyahu Anavi at some point says that the Jewish people have abandoned. I'm the one prophet that remained. It, yeah. Yeah. And there was such an, um, saturation of Avedizara was so saturated, it was like an addiction. And Avedizara's, this whole, all of the, the rituals and the orgies that they had was incredibly powerful and it overwhelmed Jewish society and the Nevi'im don't stop talking about it throughout the Tanakh. The Baals and the Asherahs and many other gods that they worshipped. And one wonders what it was. But the truth is that this is what was happening. In the time of Bayis Rishon, spiritual consciousness was the name of the game. It was, it was like having a cell phone today. <laughs> to be an Adam in Ayishuv, yeah, to be an Adam in Ayishuv, there was a part of the daily conversation was spiritual consciousness. But the path of Kedusha is one that requires discipline and structure and commitment and submission and deep introspection and growth. The Avodah weren't Stam, people looking at a statue and bowing down or, 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 or pouring wine. The came with a whole spiritual practice. They were there to trigger deep states of consciousness. And it was a different path than Judaism because it was a way of experiencing the inner workings of the universe without the path of of halach, of Yiddishkeit. That was its appeal. The Gemara says in Mesech Yuma that the Anshei Knesset Agdoila, one of the things they did was they destroyed Yitzre Davoi what does this mean? They also wanted to destroy the second Yetzirah of Arias, promiscuity. But then they looked for a fresh egg. <laughs> In Eretz Yisrael, they couldn't find an egg because <laughs> the roosters weren't excited anymore. And that was that. So they didn't fertilize. They didn't, uh, there was no, they couldn't find, they couldn't find a, a for they realized no new chicks are going to happen. So Kalya Alma, if we get rid of Arias, there's not going to be a world anymore. So they weakened it. They weakened it. Which means you have to understand what Arias was like in the first base Hamikdash, which states if today it's Shrach. So you have to understand what it was like then. It's hard for us to understand the intensity of it. I mean, some, some of us know the intensity of it, but imagine this is already after it was weakened. But Yitzhud Avay it says they got rid of. 
Now everything, when the Yetzel of Eidazara got rid of it, it affected also Yiddishkeit, when the Avodah existed in the world, the opposite in Kedusha was that there was a very deep spiritual consciousness. And that's what Judaism was. The ritualistic elements were subservient to the spiritual consciousness, even Tefillah. It wasn't the words. When the Yetzel of Avodah died, so in, in the world of Tumen, the world of Klippa, that sense of, of, of spiritual consciousness was also dulled. And in Judaism, it became a very strong emphasis on the behavior and the ritual, what you might call institutionalized, institutionalized religion, which had a tremendous advantage because there was a safety there, there was a security there, there was a consistency there. The challenges, it can also be, it can also be lifeless. It can be cold, it can be dead. In Bayisrishan, it wasn't dead. Now, the, some of the Avedizaras were, were actually disgusting. There was a lot of promiscuity around them. They have still remnants of it in different parts of the world. How people behaved. It was stripped from all layers of what we call ethics and morality. And there were some horrific things in terms of death and burning and a human sacrifice, etc., you know, some of them became real cults. A lot of real, real cults. But what, what was the appeal? The appeal was a spiritual high. It was a spiritual high. It was their psychedelic experiments, literally. And that's how they lived. Without that spiritual high, you couldn't live. So the spiritual high through God... You have to be a mensch. You don't always want to be a mensch. You want a spiritual high without paying a price. That happens all the time, right? People want to be spiritually high. So they have all these types of experiments that they do because they want to be high. So Avedizara offered a beautiful path. And the Nevi'im couldn't tolerate it. Couldn't because of what it did to the society. It came with a breakdown of a lot of moral boundaries. The Gemara says in Yuma that the Besamikdash ultimately was destroyed Avedizara was rampant, Gili Arayas was rampant, and Shrikhis Daman was rampant. So Avedizara wasn't so, you know, wasn't so romantic and Gishmak. There was, it ultimately produced tremendous corruption. There was no boundaries. Mamish, no boundaries. So they got rid of that Yetzirah Avedizara. But what happened also in Kedusha is that the consciousness was not the same. As he says, he says, um, it's always obviously a metaphor. How do you kill a Yitzhara? I mean... You can't shoot a bullet into it or take a spear or a sword. It says that they davened for the diminishing, for the... It's hard for us to understand because basically the human being did not, was not, his life was not revolving anymore looking for that around that. 
the person became more content with just, uh, I don't know, call it living a more boring, uh, monotonous, consistent life. It wasn't all about that. When the first base Hamikdash, Avodah Zara was like, you know, where are you going for Avodah Zara? You know, it's like, where are you going for dinner? <laughs> what are you doing for the weekend? <laughs> Well, they saw, they saw the, the, the consequences were very, very devastating. Not no passion, less passion. Not no passion, less passion. The challenge becomes, you're right, the challenge becomes that Judaism gets very technical. And in many ways, in many ways, the whole revelation of Kabbalah, of Pnimiyas Atayra, whether it's Zohar or all the Mekabalim Arishonim, the Ramban and his students, or the Mekabalim of Tzvas, Rabbi Shekhartavira, and of course Darizal and all of his students, and then 150 years later, the Baal Shem Tev and all of his students, in many ways it was to uh, counterbalance the monotony and the boredom that could just come from a technical Judaism, where you follow everything, but what's missing is a fire. Huh? You follow everything, but you're not connected to anything. There's no divine awareness. There's no consciousness. No spiritual, no spiritual consciousness. You know, you can ask sometimes a Jew who may have been learning Gemara, Halacha, going to Minyan for 50, 60 years and say, could you describe your personal experiences with God? And he's going to look at you like, He's been davening for 60 years. <laughs> Three times a day. You'll say, what's pshat in the sugya? How do you learn? You'll ask him a technical thing. Are you allowed to move a hammer on Shabbos if it's on your... Di- oh, right away. Which is beautiful. So that's, 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 that's the opposite challenge. And there was, as you know, there was always strong opposition to this. And much of the opposition, I'm talking about the genuine opposition, not the political opposition, much of the opposition was when Judaism diverts from technicalities, it can get dangerous. In other words, don't confuse people. <laughs> the moment you bring in passion and consciousness, we don't know where it's going to end up. If it remains very technical and, and consistent and... Um, huh? Rigid, so then it's black and white. You know, boxes are safe. There's a Nevuah in Yoyal, one of the Nevi'im. So he speaks about Mashiach, so he says, That basically everybody's going to experience prophecy. Doesn't mean everybody's going to experience prophecy. It means that every, every, every mind is going to be attuned to the divine energy vibrating. So, uh, as the generations progressed, they also understood that in the world, people are looking for spiritual consciousness. People are looking for connection. So if Judaism doesn't provide that, they go elsewhere. Yeah, not just a lot. 30% of Buddhists in America are Jews. <laughs> 
You know what 30% means? Jews constitute, I think, around 2% of America. Maybe even less. There's 300 million Americans. There's 5 million Jews. How much percent is that? Huh? There's 5 million Jews in America. This, Huh? 1.6%. So I would expect 1.6% of Buddhists in America should be Jewish. 2%. 3%. Become 30%. <laughs> You go to new age groups, yeah? A professor once told me he did the research. He says 50% of members are Jews and 70% of its leaders are Jews. 70%? 70%? 70 1% of its leaders should be Jewish. Because there's a nichsef of a There's a yearning for spirituality. Where are you going to connect? Jew once told me that he was looking in this. It's a secular Jew. <laughs> so he went to a reform rabbi and he asked him do Jews believe in souls he said no that's a Christian concept <laughs> do we believe in afterlife no 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 stop this he said, so what do we believe we believe in tikkun olam social justice <laughs> what do you want from this Jew so there's a tremendous yearning for spiritual connection for spiritual consciousness. Tremendous yearning. So the truth is, all of Yiddishkeit is based on it. <laughs> it's the ultimate source of spirituality. But for that, you have to be able to see the Pnimius. So that's what he's now going to continue. What happened? What they make all these brachas and tefillas? Ro, they saw, shenismayet hasechlem. The perceptions were diminished. And the hearts started to embrace the material to only see the superficial layer of existence. The hearts became close to the Choymer. Choymer is the brute material. To perceive only the thin layer of physicality. And by his vision, the eyes were, so to speak, more microscopic <laughs> to be able to see what is beyond the Gesha. Just like even in science today. If you look through a microscope, you'll see a new world. You'll see a living world. You'll see the cellular world, Sanandavelt. You look at the molecular world, the cellular world, the atomic world, the subatomic world, it's a different welt. And once you go to those places, the Geshem, the material, is completely transformed and it starts kissing the Ruach. The kiss between Geshem, material, and Ruach, spiritual, becomes very close. In the beginning of Bayesheni, they saw that there was a, a, a complete change and that's connected with the killing of the Yetzirah of Avedizara. It works both ways. People are now content with being material and they see the Geshem, that's the perspective of life. So what happened? That's why having the spiritual antennas of the time, which was the role of instituted tefillah. And all the blessings. When a person davens with sincerity, what is it? It's telling a different story of the universe. You read through Pesukah de Zimra, 
Yeah, and if you understand what you're saying and you focus on what you're saying, it's telling a different story. It also speaks about rain and snow. It also speaks about ants and insects and reptiles and birds. It also speaks about the weather. But Kula it tells a deeper story of the universe. This allows for there to be an awe, a reverence, the gold. This is the deeper meaning of the Pasuk and Shashirim. The beloved, you have the two beloved people in the metaphor of Shashirim, and she says about her groom, Rifidosoy Zohov. Rifidosoy means his, um, his bed. His bed is made of gold. So the Balatanya teaches, Kemoy, Hamasader, Hamita. Now he's going to teach about making your bed in the morning. Okay, what your mother didn't wasn't successful. Maybe this mime will be successful. When you organize your bed, everything has to have a place. That's what seder means. If things take over other places, there's no seder. So the seder is there has to be a seder. Everything you masada hamita. There's the place for the mattress, the place for the blankets, the place of the pillow. And yet everything has to be put on the Kain, So he says, God's bed is made out of gold. Rifidosa is not just the bed. It's like the whole, uh, what is it called? Like what we would call the headset, the whole structure of, of the resting place. All the elements that come with uh, Mishkov and Moishov. So he says, Kain, the organizer of the praises of Hashem, Noisin Mokim, Lechol Dvar Hashem, Shabara Lechvoidai Limtsegdulasa. Rifidasai Zav is the entire furniture of the bedroom is made of gold. And what's furniture based on? Everything has its place. So somebody who's telling that story, he gives place for every single Dvar Hashem. For every single word of God that He created, likvoide for His glory, limtzeg to find His greatness. What does this mean? It means you have to be able to make a seder. Hamasadim is also Every single element in the world is a different dvar Hashem. It's a unique dvar Hashem. There's a unique energy there. There's a unique message. This person gives place for everything. Ezo chachem aloymed. Mikal Adam. He gives place for every single Dvan Hashem, Shabara Lechvoideh. The Mishnah says in Pekiyavis, Kol Ma Shabara Kadosh Baruch Hu Boilam That's where this is coming from. What he created, in other words, everything. Everything brings out the divine in its own unique way. From the smallest creature to the largest being. For every person, every encounter, every doimim, every tzemeach, every chayev medaber, every ant and every elephant. Every galaxy and every star, every heartbeat and every blade of grass, every frog, every turtle, and every lioness, every every human being, every chimpanzee, but also every drop of rain, every every flake of snow, the atmosphere and the climate, the humidity and the heat, the lake and the brook, the rooster and the deer, the oak tree and the thorn bush. It's a Dvar Hashem. 
Adela wanted a person should develop that type of consciousness, not just to say there's a God, but of, just like when he makes the bed, everything has its place, its uniqueness. And that was the function of Pesukah de Zimra and Tefillah. V'yesh, and it's all Zahav, because Rifidosa is to be able to bring to Yirah. V'yesh, Shiva, Minei Dahava Bedikna. When you speak about gold, it says in Tikkunei Zohar, that there are seven shades of gold. Bedikna is in the beard. The Zohar says that David HaMelech's beard was goldish, and it had seven types of colors, seven types of gold in his beard. I don't know if we have here gold connoisseurs and experts, but I looked up the Zohar this morning that he's referring to here, and we're just going to quote it. David, Shiva mine dava hava besaroi. In David's here, in his beard, there were seven shades, seven uh, shades of gold. Zah, seven hues of gold. Zav Yerakrak, Zav Oifaz, Zav Oifir, Zav Parviyim, Zav Sagur, Zav Tarshish, and Zav Shva, which is Kolil Kol Gavnim, which encompasses many shades. The seventh one. Yerakrak, Oifaz, Oifir, Parvim, Sagur, Tarshish, and Shva, which is Kolil Kol Gavnim and encompasses many other colors. This is what David's beard looked like. Shiva mine dava. Anybody knows what this is? Okay, so go study gold. Maybe invest a little bit in it or buy some gold. Dehine David who regal reveal the Merkava. David represents the fourth leg of the Merkava. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and David are the four legs of the Merkava. Merkava represents, so to speak, the wagon, the chariot. Which carries the kiseh hakavod? What does this mean? It's pchinas alakus. The merkava is the godliness hanikre malchus chamalchus kolaylamim. Your malchus is the malchus of all the worlds. That is called the merkava, and David is that fourth leg. The dikna nikre hamshachem asechol, and dikna the beard represents the flow that comes from the mind. We learned once in a ma'im hanoyis and shalakat some in the siddur. You have the hair on the head is on the skull that's represented of Kesser. But then you have the way it comes down, the brain comes down. And the hair of the beard represents that which flows from Seichel. So he says, And there are seven different types of Seichel. Seven different types of Chachmas. What does it mean David's beard had said called gold? So Baltanya says this is also a metaphor that there are seven types of wisdom. And the seven types of wisdom were manifested in seven types of Yira, seven types of Zav. In other words, David, every type of wisdom produced a new gold, a new shade of Yira Sashem of awe. Those are the seven colors of gold in the beard, which represent that which comes out of Seichel. It's like the intermediary between the mind and the heart, which is the place of year, the place of all. That's what the Zoyar, the Zoyar means. And those are the seven branches that came out of the Menorah, which represent the seven types of wisdom, which are all generate light. 
which light, the fire, is associated with the color of gold, which is the color of fire of Yireh. And that's why there are seven days of the week, the seven days of building, in which Hashem built the universe. Every day represents another form of wisdom. And every one encompasses ten. So it's ten times seven is the seventy souls. Shal Yaakov. Yaakov comes down to Egypt with seventy souls. And they represent the progenitors of Klal Yisrael. It's seven. And each one encompasses ten. Because there are seventy roots in Yiddish and Hashemus. There's seventy roots. And, and every root obviously produces Trees with many branches and many leaves and many fruits. But the 70 Sharashim, the Kol Echad Mi Yisrael, Achuz, the Echad Mi Ha'ayin Sharashim, Haklulam Isaiah. Every Jew in the world is rooted in one of those 70 roots. You have your Shoirish from those Shivim Nefesh of Beis Yaakov. You have your Shoirish that, that encompasses the seven. That's what 70 is. It's just a seven in a more elaborate way. If you're talking about very general, it's seven. If you get more specific, each of the seven encompasses 10. So it becomes 70. And then if you get more specific, each of the 70 encompasses scores and scores of souls. Like one root produces all the details of a tree. So a Jew can reach the goal, the Yira, through one of the seven. Because you have your Shodesh, you have your Shodesh. Lias Zahav. To be able to create the bed, the organization of Zahav. The Yislaiv Bizgalus Liboy Rishpeyesh Which turns him into a fire, which represents the number, the color of gold. That there's a burning fire in his heart. And what's fire? It's Cham, it's hot. Yavish, it's dry. What is he referring to here? In the Palatanya's day still, but already generations earlier, they always, the, they, the, the Rishonim write, there are, there, are, there are seven types of Chachmas in the world. Rabbeinu Bechayi in Pirkeyavis, Peri Gimel says, there's basically seven types of wisdom. I'm going to give you his language. Chachmas HaHigoyen, Chachmas HaMispar, Chachmas HaMidois, Chachmas HaTeva, Chachmas Hatchuna, Chachmas Hamuzika, Chachmas Hanigan, and Chachmas Alakus. In the medieval, middle, middle evil ages and most medieval philosophers would divide wisdom. You want to acquire wisdom based on a Pasuk in Mishle. It says in Mishle, Chatzva Amudeha Shiva. God chiseled out seven pillars for wisdom. Chatzva Amudeha Shiva. In the Gemara in Shabbos, says that's why there's Shiva Sifri Torah, because Vayib in Saya Ha'aren has a backward nun before it and after it, it's a separate Sefer Torah, right? So you have Bereshis, Shmois, Vayikra, Bamidbar, till Vayib in Saya, Vayib in Saya, and after Vayib in Saya, altogether seven Sifri Torah. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Chatzva Amudeha Shiva. What are these seven Chachmas? Generally it's defined as mathematics, Engineering, music, astronomy, cosmology, science and physics, philosophy, and theology. You got it? Welcome to Amomcha.
Okay, so you say we have to add an eight, culinary. The chachma of the culinary there. They used to include biology and science. Biology is a branch of science, right? Because biology is the, the science, it's the chemistry of the body. There's the biology of animals, there's the biology of plants. So that was all included in the fields of, of science and physics. Ah, huh? For them, psychology was considered part of philosophy. Today, psychology is already Trump's philosophy. But then, psychology wasn't an independent study. It was part of philosophy, which is understanding the whole, how everything works, including a person's Meshuggah brain. And then there is theology, which Rabbi Nuchai calls Chachmas Alakos. Not astrology, that is astronomy. Astronomy basically meant understanding the heavens, which is cosmology. I'm, 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 I added the word cosmology just to give it a larger umbrella. Cosmology is basically like the, the system of the cosmos, you know, the beginning, the development of it, and so on and so forth. Outer, especially what's happening in outer space. Black holes, <laughs> the speed of light, big bangs, you know, all those good stuff, the exciting stuff. So you have mathematics, that was big, that was very, still quite big, which is also the language today they employ for physics. Physics is written, you, physics uses mathematics, even though it's really two separate disciplines, but physics uses mathematics. Just like Lahavdala Balatanya, Chsidis uses Kabbalah. It's not exactly the same, but the language that's used is Kabbalah. It's just how it's used. It's an interesting thing. And then you have uh, engineering. You have music, which is a Chachma, music. You have astronomy. Again, that's the whole cosmology issue. You have science and physics, which would of course include biology and all the branches of science and physics which we would call today also chemistry and geology, right, etc. The study of animals, naturalists, and botany, it's all that. The study of fish and waters and oceans. And then there is philosophy. Philosophy is the whole world, what the Brayna Mechaia calls Chachmas Hahigoyen. Chachmas Hahigoyen. Philosophy means the love of intellect. Philo is love. Philo, philosophy, sophie is, is seichel, it's a love of intellect. So it's basically the analysis of how systems should work, how the world should work, who a person is, that's basically philosophy. And then you have chachmas alakos, the divine, spirituality, transcendence. So that's where Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar puts it, higoyin is what we call philosophy, mispar is what we call mathematics, teva is what we call science, nature. Tchun is what we call astronomy. Nigin is what we call music. Chachmas alakus. And then he has chachmas hamidos. What he means by midos is engineering, measurements. Like especially mechanical engineering. That's why he calls it midos. So... So in Tanya he says that all of the chachmas are called klipas noiga. Right, he says, Chachmas, well, what does Klippas, ah? He says, what about the Chachmas of Sitra Achara? Here we're talking about Chachmas that by David Melech all brought him to Yiris Hashem. Everyone. Engineering, music, science, physics. Why? What are all these Chachmas? 
these Chachmas is really God's mind. Who made the body? Who made the galaxies? All the Chachmas, all these seven Chachmas, yeah, are essentially probing the secrets of the universe. So that's why they're defined in Tanya Perichas as Klippas Naiga. What's Prat Klippas Naiga? It's a term from Yecheskel. Klippa means a shell, a husk. Naiga means light. It's translucent. The light shines through it. It's a shell, but it's not a shell that eclipses completely. And there's two ways how a person can deal with Klippas Naiga. For example, I can eat, and the food could become an instrument for spiritual elevation, and then the food is oila from klippa to kedusha because I reveal the godliness of it. Every chachma, right? Individuals, maybe not every individual, not every individual, you could reveal the elokus of it, the godliness. That's what he says by David Amelach, Those are the seven shades of gold. Every chachma produced a different type of yiras Hashem. You can't compare mathematics to music. <laughs> As you know, it's two different parts of the brain. And sometimes it's very paradoxical. There are people when they start hearing mathematics, they shut down la'olam vod. Music, they come to life. And conversely, now people, right? I once heard from the British chief rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, there was a Jew in Britain. He was a very big historian. His name was Isaiah Berlin. Sir Isaiah Berlin. It's interesting. He had the Mittler Rebbe's tefillin. <laughs> he was an interesting Jew. So uh, so he was considered as a real apicurus. He was a scholar. So I once heard from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He said that he became friends with Isaiah Berlin. So Isaiah Berlin would meet him a lot. So he says, Chief Rabbi, when it comes to religion, I'm tone deaf. <laughs> I'm tone deaf. Let's not go there. He, he, he considered himself a devout secular Jew, but before he died, he wanted he should do the eulogy for him, the Leviah. For Tayyid. I'm tone deaf. Certain Chachmas, I don't know what you're talking about. Some people, when it comes to psychology, philosophy, they come to life. Others, it's, it, leave me alone. You know, if you want me to analyze a mosquito in a laboratory, I'll do that. But the Chiddush of David HaMelech was that every Chachma produced a type of gold in the beard. The beard represents the Hamshacha, the Gili, from the Seichel to the heart. It produced a different type of Yeris Hashem. The Mazritcha Magad once said, it says in, um, in, in davening in the morning, what do we say? Look how diverse. There's a Chachma there. Malaretz Kinyanecha literally means the earth is filled with your Kinyan, which means you own everything. Whatever the earth is filled with, you own. It's your Kinyan. Like we say, you acquire it. It's your acquisition. It belongs to you. Huh? It's your possession. The Magid, Kedarka, it's a Pnimius. What's Malaretz Kinyanecha? Not the whole world, earth is, is, not the whole world is, is filled with your possession. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, Hashem Aretzim Loya. Listen to what the Maggid said. He said, The ganze Welt is full mitzachen durch welche mekender koinezayim. Malah the world is filled 
with things through which we can acquire you. There's nothing in the world that can be used to acquire you. Generally, you look at the world, yeah? So, fahak the welt. No, no, no. Malar, it's wherever you turn, you'll find a way to acquire you, to find you, to discover you, to connect to you. There's no such a thing. I'm having a bad day. I'm in a bad mood. Nothing is gone. No, no, no. There's an energy there. If you know how to look at it, it's filled. Filled means everywhere. If something is filled, if a box is full, wherever you turn, it's there. The whole world is filled with opportunities for a relationship with you. That's the, that's the Vart. Everything is one of the seven Chachmas. And Klal Yisrael is rooted in these seven Shivim Nefesh because every Neshama has its Shairish. There's something that speaks to you in the universe that doesn't speak to other people. You have your Shairish. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says that, uh, we should call down the Breslov. He says that, uh, you know how it is in life it's like a classic Breslov Torah. You know how it is in life sometimes? You just click with somebody in a way that you can't kill it with other people. You can have a neighbor. You know, sometimes you grow up near somebody for like 35 years. You borrow eggs every other day from each other. If you need a bottle of milk, if you need, you're, you're fine. You're good. Good Shabbos, good morning. You meet each other once a day, three times a day. 35 years, you're good neighbors. You want to say good fences, good neighbors make. You take a good neighbors, you know? You live in Brooklyn together, so you see each other 24 hours a day. Here I don't see my, I see my neighbors, maybe Yom Kippur or Sukkot. Uh, but over there you see them, you know, uh, I have a neighbor here, I never see him. So, Masli comes to the Shia, so I see my neighbor, because over here, you know, Mackenzie and I it's like between one star and another star. A few million light years away. But, uh, but, uh, how did I get into this? Reb Nachman. So this is your name. I'm just giving a marshal. And then sometimes you meet somebody. I don't know. You meet somebody in Ukraine. You meet somebody on a trip. You meet somebody. And in 10 minutes, you connect. Like you could tell him things that you wouldn't think of telling your neighbor in 30 years. <laughs> it's like it, it just snaps. It's not that, we're not talking you have something against your neighbor. Your neighbors are, I find the eat. There's just certain people that understand you. You can open up to them in a way that you can't open up to other people. And we're not talking here about negativity. We're not negativity. But there's just a certain connection. Shab Nachman says why. So he says, because there's, there's the 70 Sharashim. You come from the same Shirish. <laughs> you come from the same Shirish. We get nutrients from the same root. Another person, we're all in the same garden. <laughs> we're all in the same garden. We're all connected. But, but, but if you and I are two branches rooted from the same root, there's a, there's a, there's a language, there's a, there's just a, a, an immediate deep connection that you feel. Darizal says that that's, I, I saw this in Darizal, actually my brother showed this to me. Darizal writes, Chaim Vital calls Darizal, that the reason that it's so hard for siblings to get along and for parents and children sometimes to get along and for children and parents to get along and for families to get along is because they come from the same shirish. 
He says, when you come from the same Shirish, one of two things happen. Either you see the other as your competitor, who's trying to take all your life away from you, and the only way to deal with that is if you realize that your mom is connected. In other words, with another person, we're not the same Shirish, so we're good. But when you're from the same shoulder, so it's one of two things. Either you're taking away my life, the gamb- you're governing all my nutrients. <laughs> you're stealing everything that's mine. So how can I not, how can I not have issues with you? You're sitting inside, you're, everything you're hopping away. Or I can discover that we're one shoulder. <laughs> In other words, what you have is also I have. And what I have, you have also. The Lubavitch Rebbe once said, in the early years before he was a Rebbe, somebody told me, in the 1940s, it was Parshas Vayetze, he says, Yaakov wanted to go to sleep, so Vayikach me avne hamakam, many stones. And later when he woke up, right, it's Vayikach es ha'even. So Rashi says that all the stones got into a fight. Alaya niach tzadik es I want the head. Ma'asa kadosh baruchu. All the stones became one stone. Fine. So you ask the klotzkasha, what did it help? The head is still only going to be on one part. You can't have your head on every part of the stone. So what do you gain? <laughs> so the machleika should continue. He says the pshat is, as mis eine art minish that du has the cup. <laughs> the head, if we're one, I don't mind if you have the head. It's fine. It's the secret of Shalom Bayez. <laughs> the secret of Shalom Bayez. If we're one, I want you to have the head. You having the head is me having the head. And me having the head is you having the head. But if we're not one, it doesn't work. So when you come from one shortage, you got to be very careful. <laughs> because here you can really butt heads with each other, pun intended. Or butt roots with each other. But when you realize it's one tree, it's one shortage, what schlucks does it? It's like cutting off part of your root. You're not going to be happier. But you have to, again, expand your consciousness. So this is the Nekuda of Rifidosis of Apsukah Zimra, of being Masader, everything in its place. Everything in the world has its place. And it's one of the seven Chachmas. And every soul is rooted in one of the seven Chachmas. It's like, you're, you're, it doesn't mean you can't have a few, but it means there's something that speaks to you. As he says, he says, every Jew could reach Dov through one of these seven pchinas, through one of these seven things. There's a person through music. Music touches your soul in a very deep place. Like in everything, there's music that's just klippa. There's music that's kedusha. There's music that just covers up godliness. That music has a certain name. <laughs> and then there's music that can reveal, reveal godliness. And the same is true with everything. From mathematics to physics, v'chuli, This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.